friends, and welcome back to Pretend Worlds Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and quick bit of news, if you are a SAG performer, just keep your keep your eyes open. Uh, what did they say? Keep your eyes peeled, keep your ears open uh, for any news in the next 24 hours, because we are in the final stages of those negotiations until it expires, which means we may go on strike, or things may be adjusted at the last moment, and hopefully we can focus on the WGA as well to get them uh, compensated for what they need. Uh, so yeah, I just need to put that out there really quick as some industry news. Uh, also, if you are loving this podcast and you love hearing our guests every single week, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It only helps us expose this show to those who you know may need some inspiration or just want entertainment from those they look up to the most as far as you know hearing their story. So uh, with all that out of the way, all those plugs out of the way, Let's get right down to the best part of every episode, and that is our guest. Now, I had a chance to speak with a wonderfully talented actor, singer, writer, director, and producer who has performed on Broadway in TV and film and in voiceover, and that, of course, is the amazing Haviland Stilwell. We talk about her early years working on Broadway and really, you know, finding her footing in TV and film, and then just diving into voiceover, which she has an extensive resume showcasing her voiceover roles. She is also an equality activist, and we talk a lot about that as well. So, without further ado, please allow me to introduce Miss Haviland Stillwell. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, guys. I am Haviland Stillwell. I am an actor, singer, and producer. See, and anyone who has more than one thing they're constantly doing, I always have to ask, what came first for you? And when did that start? When did your interest in the performing arts you know, really cultivate? So I grew up, I had one parent in the entertainment industry who was working in casting and in like promoting, like she, in her, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, um, and she would bring, my mother would bring in touring shows into the big venue there, which Savannah is now like completely exploded and exploding with film, TV, you know, arts, but um, at the time, it really wasn't. She was kind of the only one there doing, doing anything professionally in that world, Um so I, I I grew up really seeing what she was doing and being exposed to that as well as my dad who was in politics, which I always say entertainment and politics are extremely connected. <laughs> so kind of growing <laughs> up like, you know, being in like very public facing family and with parents that were very much like out there constantly around groups of people and um, in the arts and in, uh, you know, politics and everything, it it was very much just kind of a part of my growing up. Um, and then honestly, I have to say, I started watching Bette Midler in things. And I think that's kind of what switched, what made the switch for me. I was like, oh, I, I recognize something in her that I had in me that wasn't just, you know, as a fan, which of course I'm a fan, but also um, something that was like, that's something I have to do. And what the kind of the brand of what she was doing at that time, which was singing, acting, you know, on film and, and on stage and recording, but also there was such like a campiness to it, mm. um, and a sense of humor, but also, you know, heart and truth. Um, and I thought, you know, that's, that's kind of a brand of performer. I mean, I didn't have those words. I was just like, I think she's cool. I want to do what she's doing. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what like got me going. And then, you know, I basically told my parents, like, I want to start doing, you know, I want to start acting. And, and so kind of started getting involved in like community theater. And that, this is when I was like seven or eight years old. And then my mom just started having me come and do like extra work and things, you know, just to kind of like, okay, do you really want to do this? Like they never discouraged me at all. Um, but, you know, I think it was also like, okay, well, you're seeing up close and personal, you know, the other side of the business. So it's not all like glitz and glamour and it never was that for me. I never saw it that way um, because I was just, I was always kind of behind the scenes with her. Wow. So uh, I'm guessing you weren't, maybe you were, you probably weren't very shy with parents like that, you know, raising you or were you more introverted until you took that leap? No, I was definitely not shy. <laughs> um, I think you talk to anybody who knew me as a kid and they're like, oh yeah, she was always on. Um, I mean, I think though, I think too, though, like 
you know, I, I, anybody raised by boomer parents, I think there's a level of like, you know, I think we can honestly all say like there's a level of presentation that was required of us as children, not not saying anything. Like I absolutely love my parents and I totally understand. But I think, you know, there is a level, particularly growing up in the South, um, that's like, you know, if you're a young lady of the South, you know, you are supposed to be polite and accommodating and hospitable and, um, you know, entertaining. So, um, you know, I think that that was very much just part of who I was and what I enjoyed doing and how I enjoyed connecting with people um, was, you know, telling stories and entertaining and, um, you know, just just really getting into I, I really, really was interested in film, TV, theater you know, um, I, you know, I, I, my favorite subject in school was, was art. So I just, everything very like creative was very interesting to me. And anyone doing that professionally was a hero to me. So I was just wanted to know everything about them and like, how do you do it? So when you, I mean, that's perfect. Cause when you, when you dive into it, when you go to, you know, college and you get your degree, I'm guessing there was a, a just a ton of support on your family side, but then getting into actually creating a career out of it. Let's say you're, you know, you're 18, 19, you're in college, you're really trying to, to grow as an artist. What was that side like for you? Because I feel like that's when a lot of us sort of our eyes open even more and you just realize, oh, there's so much more to this than I than I thought. Or were you just so well prepared with your mom being in casting that you felt completely comfortable? Well, I mean, you know, I think there's there's it's not all black and white, you know. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I definitely feel like I had a bit of an advantage um, with not being culture shocked when, because you know, everyone talks about they go into conservatory or they go into their first year of college as a performance major, and you know, every program, including the one I was in, they're like, "Look, you know, how many people in this room were the best person at singing or acting or playing your instrument or doing whatever in their high school? Who, how many of you were the best?" And you know, everyone raises their hand, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. Like we know what we're dealing with now. And this is just in college. What's it going to be? What is it like in the real world? Um, but I think I had been working, you know, I, I did start working professionally when I was like nine or 10. So, you know, I was going to school still and all of that, but I even was used to having set tutors. I was just, I was already kind of in the world of um, knowing how things worked a little bit more than probably just the average college freshman going into <laughs> acting or whatever. Um, but I also had the idea of uh, I knew, you know, growing up with a parent in this insane industry that we're in and and just so many variables all the time that have nothing to do with how hard you work or how good you are at what you do. There's so many. I mean, just right now, there's a writer strike. It has nothing to do with, you know, people that aren't working. It's not because like they're not good enough. You know, it's just there's so many variables. So I think I went in to, you know, my professional life as an adult with, with such a fierce drive, not just because I wanted to be doing the thing that I wanted to be doing, but because I was like, I have to make a living doing this. And I know that it's not just like, I'm going to make it. And then everything's going to be handed to me. Like <laughs> I knew, you know what I mean? I think a lot yeah. of people think like, oh, well, you know, I mean, and a lot of people's parents kind of put that pressure on them too. Like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're not going to, you know, this isn't a, a stable career and all that. Well, of course it's not. Like, if you're going to be a professional artist, like, that's part of the gig. Like, it's, you know, I mean, if you get super crazy lucky, but even then, like, people mismanage money. I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that can can come up. So I think just kind of knowing, like, all right, I have to be really nose to the grindstone and like, uh, you know, maybe even to almost to like an extreme and to maybe a fault as like anybody listening, whoever knew me at that age is probably like, yup. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but also I think like I'm having a great time now. And I had, I had a great time in my like beginning of my career as well. It just was kind of all work, no play. It was all, like all about like, how is this going to affect you know, the job, the job I'm doing or the next job I might have, or, you know, connections to this person or that, you know, I just was very, um, focused and almost to, to like a, I have to do this, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it kind of just, uh, oh my God, how do they, it's almost like a convection oven where it's, it's emitting from within you and you can't help, yeah. but 
solely focus on it. And I do always love to ask, you know, did you have periods as everyone does where you had to say, pick up a day job and things were slow? Did you have moments like that or has it been pretty consistent with you working on, you know, either side? Um, I mean, I've had like, I have been really fortunate to never, I've never had like a day job per se, as far as like working in an office full-time or something like that. Um, I've never worked in a restaurant. <laughs> like I would be the worst server ever, <laughs> like literally <laughs> the worst. <laughs> like, no one wants, no one wants me to bring them food on any level. <laughs> I can host great. Like I can host a dinner party, but I will not be cooking. Um, but no, I, so, I mean, I think I've been lucky in that way, but also I have been very strategic in terms of money management. Um, and also, you know, I've certainly done plenty of gigs that were not glamorous, but that were still in entertainment. You know, I've worked, I've done parties, I've done, uh, you know, lots of different production jobs, you know, um, I mean, you kind of, you kind of name it. I've probably done it. If, if it is a thing that you can do as far as, you know, in, as far as being an actor or in production or, you know, anything like that. So, but I've really tried to kind of keep it, um, you know, focused on like what I actually do well, um, and where my training is, which, uh, is as is as a you know actor and singer, and I've done a lot of I have worked in casting periodically um, because I know I grew up in that world, and and then you know now I do quite a bit of producing. So um, both you know producer for hire kind of work where somebody comes to me and says, can you can you help me do this thing, or can I hire you to to produce this fill in the blank, um, or and or projects that uh, I'm involved in, you know, in the development of on the creative side that I'm also working, uh, you know, with producing partners to, you know, push forward. So there's a, there's a lot of all of those things. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, my, my dad always says like, he's, he like, he respects what I do. Cause he's like, you know, you always sort of know that there needs to be like a dozen different revenue streams because at any moment, you know, one thing that's totally out of your hands could just not be going going at that point or you're waiting or the financing is being held up or you know so many different things so um i think that the main thing is like you know to manage to manage your your mental health to manage your physical health to manage your financial health um and also just continue to be creative uh regardless of if someone's paying you to be creative in that moment or on that day so oh, yeah absolutely and you know what i i do I have enjoyed listening to everyone's, you know, sort of uh, modalities of keeping physical health and mental health, especially during COVID. So now with, you know, WGA still on strike, SAG, who knows where we're going to be in the next couple of weeks. It could be a really slow summer, but what keeps you mentally satiated when, you know, you're you're not working or the, you know, very uh, short amount of free time you do have based on your schedule? What keeps you happy and elated and just uh, let you relax a little bit. Um, well, as far as, as far as, you know, personal things, um, I have a very, uh, happy home environment. Um, I, you know, I love where I live. I've really feel like I've really curated, manifested and curated, <laughs> um, you know, a home that I really love. Um, I'm married to an incredible spouse, who, you know, we are able to both work together. We do a lot of projects together as well as just we have the best time together. Um, I also have animals. These are all things that I did not think about when I was younger. I never, I never considered marriage. I never considered having pets. I never thought I would own a home. I just didn't think of these things. I was just like, I just need to be an actor. I didn't think like, oh, well, what about like all the hours of the day that you're just a human, you know, and not necessarily on set or in a theater or in a recording studio. Um, and I think that that balance has really, has really helped. Uh, and it's also helped my work. Uh, it's, it's, it's made me a better artist. Um, so, and certainly a better producer. So, um, so I think those things, but then also, you know, like I said before, not always basing happiness off of, you know, is somebody giving me a paycheck to do the thing that I do today or this week or this month sometimes, you know, um, 
I think always kind of, for me, always having things that I'm working on that aren't necessarily like, oh, I booked, you know, a guest star on this TV show and it shoots next week and I've got to learn on my lines and get ready. And it's like, that is great. And when that happens, like, hell yeah, party, let's do it. So happy, love it. But also there's a lot of times where you're just auditioning. I mean, you know, you're just auditioning constantly and, you know, um, kind of, you know, sort of just like you book when you book and you might book a huge job that works a day. Um, And, you know, I've experienced that a lot. And I've also experienced things where I could work on developing something for months or sometimes years that never comes to fruition. But I look back and I go, you know, I, I still found that valuable that I was able to develop that or that I was able to work on, you know, that script or work with that director or, or, uh, you know, or work on that character that ended up actually informing another character. So, and, and sometimes those things do pay off in a very tangible way too. You know, I mean, um, certainly like developing when you're, you know, my spouse is a, um, a writer director. So a lot of the things that we're working on are their, uh, you know, their projects that they're writing, And, you know, those things are rarely something that is like you write it and you go film it the next month. Like these are things that you, you work on over time. And, you know, in many cases that has very tangibly paid off. So, um, so I think just kind of always having stuff going on both professionally, artistically, and also personally, um, is very important. You did, uh, I just, I need to rewind it back for, for a quick second, because you did highlight something that I think is really wonderful. And it's, you know, when you're younger, you're so hungry, you're so driven that you are only focusing on the job, doing the job, whether it's honing your craft or, you know, you're working hundred hours a week at whatever job to make sure that audition, maybe if it doesn't, you know, pan out, things are still okay. But then you find somebody that, you know, just changes your mind where you are thinking about marriage, you're thinking about a house, you're thinking about, oh, I can invite all those other elements into my life. And I, I just want to say really quick, for me personally, I completely agree with that because it's happened to me the last few years where I started booking more and more and more because I incorporated this, you know, really happy home life instead of an empty studio apartment, right. uh, <laughs> which is just, it's kind of scary. But uh, yeah, I just, I thought that was just something really wonderful that you just said. And, and adding on to that, the fact that you two can collaborate and still, you know, create something together and you i mean i'm sure there are some disagreements here and there there's there's bound to be sure. <laughs> it's just bound to happen uh but I, I do want to see if you have any plans on you know keeping that going in the long term are you looking at producing things together um you know maybe bigger projects features tv shows or is it solely just for for you two to collaborate and do something fun together no, we we have um, we have a production company together, and we've um, produced uh, several short form series together. We produced a film together, and we executive produced a film that's in post production right now um, that we're super excited about. It's called Under the Influencer, and um, look for it later this year. Uh, <laughs> very very pumped about how that's going. It really bridges um, it bridges AI and you know, NFTs and all of that into film. Um, so we're really excited to be part of that on the produ- on the producing side um, because it's a, it's an awesome, you know, almost all female and non-binary team um, of creators who's just like absolutely kicking ass. And we're, you know, very much as producers, if it's not something that, that we wrote um, or that, you know, is for me to star in or to play a big part in, we definitely want it to be something that we, very much um, believe in um, teams that we believe in and subject matter that we believe in, which is um, often, you know, um, female led, it's often BIPOC led, it's often queer led, or certainly something that elevates and, uh, and up levels, you know, people in, in our, you know, female non-binary queer community uh, and, or, you know, the BIPOC community. Um, so I think that's that's super important to us. Um, we're also working on uh, hopefully joining um, the team of a show going to Broadway. Um, so uh, and on the producing side, which we're very passionate about. So 
Yeah, I mean, we basically, we work separately, but then we also work together um, on projects as well. So I, the things that we that we do as a team, we just really want them to go along with, you know, our, our mission and what we're looking to do, which is just literally to like up-level the people that we, you know, the stories that we want told, you know, that we want to be part of helping with. And if that's, you know, on an acting side, if that's on a producing side, if that's on a voiceover side, you know, we kind of are like a full full service creative duo <laughs> in that sense. Um, or if it's just, you know, to offer our support on the production side. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, my first love is always as an actor. Um, you know, I just, I, I, it gives me such joy to, to bring to life, uh, you know, a story that a writer or a team of writers has, you know, completely thought up in their head out of nothing. And then to be able to, you know, bring that to life, uh, as, you know, through voice, through physicality. Um, and, you know, knowing that, I mean, you know, as a, as an, as an artist yourself, it's like, it's so great when you're in, uh, when you're in a, you know, a, a voiceover booth or you're on set or you're in a theater and, you know, the creative team, especially if you're lucky enough to have the writers there, they're just elated because, you know, it's like, oh, this is what I had in my head, or this is better than what I had in my head or, you know, and that's, that's the best feeling that collaboration. So I know I'm rambling a lot, but no. I'm very, I'm obviously very passionate about my work. So yeah. <laughs> I, I never think of that as, as rambling. I'd rather have, you know, just passion coming right from the, the guest's mouth than, you know, just controlled answers of a yes or no fashion. <laughs> and then, yeah. then it's like pulling teeth. No, this is my favorite part. No, of I'm totally, I'm, I struggle with being succinct. That's, <laughs> I'm always like, just bullet point it, bullet point it, Haviland. Well, you're you're an artist. You're creative. We we can't help but say, hey, do you have five minutes? I have a one minute thing I can tell you about, but it's going to take about five or six. Yeah, uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That is that is so cool. I think you you are part of that momentum that is pushing. You know this this new and inclusive part of you know creative filmmaking and theater to the fore that we've been you know needing for a long time and. It's uh, it's been more fun working in this industry the last, let's say, five years than it was the seven before that that I've been involved in it because of you know folks like yourself who are you know you're you're collaborating you're you're making these things you're supporting you're giving that push and I do want to see with you know the the looming strikes and you know possibility of us not you know being able to do a whole lot this summer hopefully no longer than that if if SAG goes on strike but um. What you plan on doing if the SAG strike goes, you know, what what's going to help you still keep that momentum going, even though we can't technically work on anything? Yeah, I mean, I think just continuing to um, to plan, you know, for the future, um, you know, I there's a couple of projects that I mean, it all really depends on how it's logistics with SAG, which isn't super interesting to talk about. But you know, it's, it's, there's, there's different waivers, I think, that are kind of being worked out for independent filmmakers. Um, there is a, there is a, a film that I'm attached to that's supposed to shoot in August, which I know there's, you know, their producers are going back and forth with SAG right now about, you know, what happens if there's a strike. Um, and it's an independent production. It's not a studio production. So, you know, this would be potentially outside the lines of, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants to do the right thing. I think ultimately, um, you know, this is a this is an American crisis of consciousness that's going on right now of labor and uh, ownership. And, um, you know, this is a larger conversation that I think we're having right now. And it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate for our it's unfortunate in a way that it's happening so soon after the pandemic when everybody was having a hard time and, um, you know, the, the industry changed so much, but ultimately, you know, we went through the pandemic and like you just said, a lot of things did change for the better, even though for, for a lot of people, the momentum shifted or something happened, but, you know, ultimately there is more awareness, there is more inclusivity now. And, you know, with these strikes, my hope is that there will be a larger understanding of, you know, the way that, artists do make a living, you know, and what, what it means, you know, it's like, 
if everybody is making a load of money off of an intellectual property and, you know, a writer created that, that writer, you know, should not be like trying to claw their way to like getting any kind of back end on it. I mean, this is just kind of basic business, right? Um, but, you know, the business has changed so much and, you know, the pay structure is different. There's, um, you know, as we all learned kind of when like the Sony leaks happened about, you know, and and other things, you know, we learned, we've learned so much about like the real pay inequality between men, men and women and certainly people of color. And, um, you know, so that's, I, I feel like it's just kind of a, this is like a moment for just like, we're like stripping it all away. And it's like, let's get down to basics. Let's like figure this out and, you know, figure out what's actually fair. And that's hard because we live in a capitalist society. So it's kind of like, what is fair? You know, like, like, like ultimately, yes, if somebody's putting up the money for something, they also have rights to, to speak on it, but also like, you know, also the people that made it should also be able to profit off of it. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I mean, if you're working, you know, straight up, if you're working full time on a network television series, you shouldn't also have to have side hustles. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, you should be like, you know, and that's that's the thing people don't, you know, outside the industry, they don't think about like, oh, well, you know, this like the series regular as an actor or you know, you're in a writer, a writer's room on a network television show. I mean, these are the, these should be the highest paid jobs in television, you know, and they, they're only, there's only a small segment of people who get those jobs and who consistently have those jobs. That's so rare. So it's like, you know, you have to think about all the people under that, who, if the people at top are struggling, then my God, like the people in the middle and it's, it's just, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you're in the industry and we all have lots of friends and everybody's at in various levels of, um, you know, well-being at this point. So yeah. I think it'll be good in the long run. But um, in the meantime, you know, we just have to like keep our chin up and uh, know that, you know, we're doing the right thing and hopefully it will resolve soon and it'll resolve for the best. Yeah. And you know what? I, I know maybe you've heard of this before i think it's it's happened to every single creative in this industry but um you know at least for me i would be working at a bar and serving and someone would see an episode of tv i was in playing at the same time and they'd put the two together and say well you're on tv what are you doing here like that's the the lottery ticket of you know millions yeah. of dollars <laughs> yeah and you're like yeah like i did that show like six months ago and it paid like half my rent that month you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh yeah, I was on a TV show, you know, the one you're seeing and like that paid all my bills for years. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, you yeah. know, and that's, but that's, that's the way. And I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a boring thing to talk about, but it's always, I'm like, why do they not teach that more to artists, to young artists of like, you know, just basic, you know, management. And also, I mean, yes, money management, but also like mental health management, knowing that like, that is the norm for an artist. It is normal that like, you're booking, you're booking, you're booking. And also you have a serving job or you drive Uber or you, you know, work as an assistant or you do whatever, like dog sitting. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And like, that doesn't mean anything about your talent or your hard work or anything. That's just kind of the reality of things. Um, wish it weren't, but you know, like wish it weren't, wish like all of us who had hundreds of thousands of dollars of training and, you know, decades of experience could just, uh, you know, live on six figure salaries just for like, you know, auditioning and like booking things here and there. Um, but you know, a girl can dream. Right. Wouldn't that be nice if it was yeah. based off of it's like the old corporate America structure. The longer you're in it, the more you get paid for doing probably a little bit less. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> effort wise. Yeah. We would yeah. be so probably happy and miserable at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, but we're I, we're hopefully a little happier, like we're doing what we love, you know. Um, and you know, I don't feel like I have to answer to anybody or I have to, you know, I just 
I just continue to do what I do. And, and, um, you know, for the most part, I like the people I work with. I like my agents and managers. I, you know, um, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm somebody who like, I like working with the people I work with. And usually we work together multiple times, like once we've gotten in there and done it, you know? Um, so, but it's, it's not something I, I don't really ever feel like when I'm actually doing the job, I don't feel like it's a grind or, you know, at this point in my life, um, you know, that the, the taped auditions and all of that, like can be a little bit, um, I wouldn't even say a grind. It can just be like a little bit disheartening sometimes, um, which, you know, I think this is a normal thing that a lot of actors talk about is just kind of, you feel like you're sending things out into the void. Um, and that goes for voiceover too. It's like, you know, you send things out and you're like, I don't even know if anybody's watching or listening to this stuff. Um, but then, you know, you'll hear, you know, I'll run into somebody at something and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm working at this casting office now. Like, man, like your reads are always up at like the top three people, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, thank you for telling me that legitimately because how would I know otherwise, you know, unless like you, you don't know unless you book. So, um, yeah. So, oh <laughs> so yeah, I think just kind of, you're like, you're like, yes, I understand. Well, yeah. well, we, I was just talking to my best friend about it three days ago, talking about, you know, going to the void into the ether. And yeah. luckily we're, we're in an acting studio that's tied to a local casting office here in Colorado. And we heard from somebody saying like, no, you like this person, this person, they, they book a lot because of this. And cause you, 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 never, you never get feedback. Right. So right. Um, that, that's kind of a, that's fall by the wayside. You so I'm used, so glad you, you said used that. to get feedback. Like I've been in the business yeah. so long that like, I remember we used to get <laughs> feedback from our auditions of like granny over here. <laughs> They used to actually give us notes and reasons why we didn't book things or they would give, you know, which was so helpful because then you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's really helpful to know like, hey, you know, it went to somebody who's a completely different physical type, has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Or if it's like, yeah, honestly, like didn't do a great audition or, it, you know, like if you just, or like you made a choice and it was a really bold choice, but like it was not the right one for what the director wanted. And it's like, okay, all of those things are very helpful. But anyway, back to Colorado. And no, 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 we don't have to talk about Colorado. No, that, I just, I, I feel so vindicated hearing that. Uh, and I wish I had started when they were giving um, feedback because uh, that would have just been amazing. Now it's just, um, but I do want it to shift into, as we're getting to the last you know, couple of questions here, uh, this one, uh, just out of nowhere, do you ever think about maybe going back to New York or do you live by coastal, uh, you know, hopefully to get back on a Broadway or what, what's that looking like? Um, I, you know, I love Los Angeles. I, you know, really, really love living in LA, um, and feel like a California girl. Um, <laughs> but I also, you know, of course I love New York and of course I love working there. So whenever the opportunity presents, um, you know, and it works out. I love, I love going to work there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily like at this point in my life, I'm not looking to like move back permanently, but certainly, um, for the right project or for the right show, you know, I'd move back for a period of time, you know, to do the job. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that about most places. Like if the job is good, you know, it's like, if you're work, if you're, if you work in film, like I do, you know, so many times you're on location. So it's like, you know, I'll go and spend like a few weeks in New Orleans or something like that. And it's like, I'm working there, but also I get to experience kind of the culture and and that, that sort of thing when I'm off. So um, that's something I really enjoy, but yeah, yeah. I love New York, of course. <laughs> I just I thought it's you know with you being in Los Angeles I thought it was really interesting you know if there's a a piece of you that was saying oh, I need to move back there at some point but you know I, I've heard based on many of my friends once they got to California about six months in they were they were good I mean New York is amazing and I think like you know I I feel like I was lucky and I went to NYU and then um like six months out of school I started I went into rehearsals on my first Broadway show, which I'm very aware that that was extremely fortunate. Um, and, you know, not that I didn't work my ass off to, to get there, but also that, you know, I also feel like I won the lottery just being in the right place at the right time. Um, 
and actually should mention because I just read the very sad news that Sheldon Harnick passed away. Um, and uh, he's, of course, the lyricist of Fiddler on the Roof and many, many very popular um, Broadway shows. And um, he actually had come my senior year of NYU. He had come um, to to watch and to do a workshop of a show that we were doing at, at NYU. And I was playing the female lead in. It's a show called Fiorello. It's one of like not as not as popular of a Bach and Harnick show, but it's it's a really good, fun show about kind of like a, a, a period of history in New York. Um, and I was able to work one on one with him. And he was such, you know, he is such a legend, was such a legend. Um, and, you know, we kept in touch and, you know, he was a really great contact. And so like two or three weeks after I graduated from college, I was having a like a final callback for Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. And I ended up reaching out to him via mail because I had his like mailing address <laughs> and he just wrote like a note and said, you know, I've been thinking about you and congratulations on Fiddler going back to Broadway. And, you know, it's such a beautiful show. I did it in eighth grade or something in my school. You know, I can't, I, and, you know, FYI, I've, I have been auditioning for it and I'm, I hope I see you at the callback. And lo and behold, I walk into the the callback, and there is there are you know Joe Stein, Jerry Bach, and Sheldon Harnick, all of whom now sadly have passed away. Um, but I walked in the room, and it's like you know a Broadway final callback. There's like thirty people in there. It's like a completely packed room. Everybody's in there. All the producers. All you know. It's it can be very intimidating. But like I said, I was like, I was fierce. I was a fiercely driven young actor. Um, and so I was just like, I know this, I'm very confident. I knew I had like done everything I could do. And I felt very prepared. Um, not that I wasn't a little nervous, but I was like confident, you know, and the director is like, oh, let me introduce you to the writers. And they're all like, hi, Havlin. <laughs> and Sheldon is like, Havlin, it's so great to see you. Like, thank you for your sweet note. And everyone in the room is like, who's this? Cause I'm like just out of college. I have like barely any credits. I certainly don't have any like big professional theater credits, only like, you know, things in Georgia and like little things, but you know, so I feel like that set me up. Cause everyone kind of was like, Oh, so it just goes to say like, you know, and I, and I, I mean, I think I did, I auditioned well and I did a good job and I was right for the show, but also that connection and that drive of like, just legitimately connecting with somebody who like, I really respected his talent. And then he ended up coming, um, you know, I did Fiddler and I was in the ensemble. I played Grandma Zeidel in the dream sequence. And I'm on the, the original um, cast recording of that. Um, and I also understudied Hoddle, who sings Far From the Home I Love. And, you know, Sheldon ended up coming several times to see me when I went on for that role. And he would give me notes, which was like incredible. I mean, it just, I, I was just actually telling somebody this story like a couple of days ago about like what a life-changing experience because he actually had vocal notes for me that were about my speaking voice. And at the time I had never done voiceover. Um, so he gave me some really good notes of think constructive stuff that I could work on. And like five years later, you know, I was booking huge voiceover jobs. So, you know, there's just so many things like one connection, you know, if you keep following it, you know, one creative for, for us, it's like, it was really a legitimately creative connection. I just looked up to him and it's like, just follow those things. And I, I sort of remind myself even now, like, don't be shy about like following up with people that touch you creatively and who believe in you and like, you know, go like silence the people and the voices that don't believe or that are trying to discourage you or whatever, and just follow the people and the things. And, you know, it doesn't have to be Broadway icon, Sheldon Harnick, you know, literally. <laughs> anybody who you just feel like this person really sees me and believes in my talent and believes in my worth. Um, and, you know, I think you talked about like, what, do you, what do you do when you're kind of having a slump or when the industry's having a slump? It's like, it's like, put your focus on those people and on those voices. Um, cause that, that will get you through even in any circumstances, I think, I mean, you've got to have, you got to have like a, a team of cheerleaders, um, I mean, I guess you don't gotta have it, but it certainly helps. Oh, absolutely. If anything has come to the to the fore uh, in the last couple of years, it's having that community. 
whether it, you know, they're actors or writers, anyone creative, having that is so important. So thank you for saying that, because I think a lot of people need to keep hearing that, you know, don't do this on your own, you know. Yeah, you can't, you yeah. literally can't. It's not yeah. a business, you know, we're not like, we're not, you know, programming in our, you know, we're not like coding in our, in our home, like by ourselves, like in a void, like this is a, the creative arts are a collaboration. It takes hundreds, sometimes thousands of people to make something happen. And then even after it happens, I say this to fans all the time. I'm like, so many things are about the fans and about, are you going to come see it? Are you going to support it? Are you going to be obsessed with this thing and like have to see the movie or go see the show a hundred times or be at the stage door, put it on your social media, you know, buy concert tickets, play the video games. Like, you know, if we don't have, it's like, it takes all these people to make the thing. And then the fans have to have to consume the thing and want to consume the thing. So, um, you know, I feel like I've kind of like, I've had a little bit of an explosion on TikTok recently. Um, oh. And I've been having a lot of fun, you know, be, doing the TikTok thing. And, and I really feel like that because uh, the bulk of the people following me on there are young or, you know, teenagers and young adults. And, you know, I kind of am always saying that, like, when they're so complimentary or they're talking about, you need to do this or we wish. And I'm always like, you don't understand the power you have as a consumer, as a fan, like you have a huge amount of power. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a collaboration in every way. It's like the audience and the artist is a two-way street, if that Absolutely. makes sense. Absolutely. And you know, with, with your experience and, you know, everything you just touched on throughout this entire episode, I do want to see if there's a piece of advice that you would give to, you know, maybe somebody who's just starting out outside of high school, or maybe it's somebody who is trying to stay within this industry amidst, you know, post pandemic, you know, struggles, and then the strikes. Is there anything you've held on to personally that you could share with them? Well, I think, I think everything I've talked about kind of go goes along those lines of, you know, um, staying true to yourself, you know, balancing your, you know, cr creative professional life with your personal life. Um, you know, not, um, not basing your self-worth on, you know, who, who is hiring me or who's paying me or who's accepting me or do I have an agent or, you know, anything like that, which honestly, that can be said of, of any age. I, I, I feel like a lot of times people focus, you know, on, well, what can people do who are just starting out? But also like as somebody who's now been in the business, like 30 years, you know, I'm like, um, honestly, like even for extremely seasoned people, like things are always changing just like with, it's like, you know, I learned YouTube when YouTube started, I learned, you know, about Instagram when Instagram started. I, I mean, you know, self, I've been self taping since like 2011, 2012, um, because I work a lot in the Southeast and that's how things go in the Southeast. So, you know, I was already trying to adapt to that. So when people have just out here started doing it in like 2020, like all of everyone who had been working in the Southeast, we we're like, we've been doing this for a decade, you know? <laughs> I mean, we had our self-tape set up. So that's, that's what I mean. It's like kind of keep adapting, keep, stay flexible, but also stay true to your artist and yourself. Um, and that is at any age and at any level of, you know, quote unquote success, um, whatever you define that to be. And, and that's the other thing. Don't let other people tell you what you are, if you're successful or, you know, um, what success means. I think that really screws up a lot of people, um, not just in our industry, but in, in every industry. So, you know, I mean, I knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to be an actor and I, you know, didn't even know exactly the path of that, but that, I mean, it's changed so many times because the industry keeps changing. So, um, you know, I think like get the best training you can get, continue to train, you know, follow the people, like I said, follow your cheerleaders, support your friends, support people. I mean, that's, you know, I'm going to see like multiple shows at the Fringe Festival this weekend because it's like, I have colleagues that are doing, you know, have their shows going on. And it's like, you know, go support your people. Um, definitely on social media. So, you know, follow me on social media. <laughs> I'm very responsive. Um, <laughs> I will, I, I, I love new followers. Um, you know, but like, like 
follow, follow the people that you like, you know, don't make assumptions that it's like, you know, you think that person is famous or rich or whatever it is. And it's like, they don't need a compliment, you know, or they don't need like, you know, people appreciating their work, whether it's popular or not, you know, like obviously those of us who've been lucky, lucky to work on some bigger things or some more popular things, obviously, you know, that's great that you like those things, but like, also maybe you like, maybe there's a, a indie project that that person has that, you know, you can go check out and support that like would mean a lot to them. So I don't know. These are, you're like, give one piece of advice. No, no. <laughs> like, and, and you know what? Everyone I'll does the same one thing. piece and I'll give you a hundred <laughs> pieces of advice. See, I'm the kind of person, if I ask for a slice of pie, it's going to be the whole pie. I, I, yeah, no, I'm going to no... gonna like bring you to a bakery. <laughs> I was like, bienvenue à boulangerie. <laughs> so it's never... It's never one piece of advice because I think the second you find something, there's more branches, right? It just it just happens. Totally. So all of yeah. that. And I do love that there's no um there really isn't like an experience level discrepancy because we all go through the same thing, no matter, you know, how long we've been. I totally agree with that. But yeah, that everything you said was perfect. <laughs> it was awesome. Um and I, of course, you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to your social media, as you mentioned, because you love new followers. Uh, but I did want to see if there's anything else I can also give a promotion to or a shout out to in the episode notes when this episode comes out as well. Um, I mean, you can always link to my website that has links to everything else. Um, you know, I have music available that's really fun um, for you to listen to during your workouts or whatever. Take care of your bodies and minds. Um, and, you know, I mean, basically I post... There's so many things that, you know, we all work on that we're not allowed to talk about till later. Um, one thing that just came out for me that that I had been like dying to talk about for so long was I just did my first League of Legends game. Um, it's League of Legends uh, Convergence. And that came out a few weeks ago. Um, and I play Vale Poindextra, um, who is like kind of the little baddie who uh, who makes the hero of the game's life hell, she and her twin brother. So um, if you're a gamer, check that out and let me know what you think. Uh, I think she's really fun. And a lot of people like a character I played from Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, Raquel. Um, and Vale is sort of like, you know, there's there's the little Raquel in Vale for sure. Um, she's definitely like a spoiled princess who's there to, you know, be number one. So, um, but like a total badass. I mean, you know, I love doing video games for that because it's like we're just beating each other up and being like, <laughs> you know. Um, Sorry, how did how did that go? <laughs> so many, so many laughs, so many punches, so many kicks. <laughs> you know, ow. <laughs> that is my project dream. I'm not even lying. Is to really? Do a game oh my life. god! Yeah. I do so do many, so many video games now, and I'm I'm not a gamer. So usually, like, I have gaming consoles, but I like am not good at playing games. So I won't even be. I'll I'll be like, I just want to get to my character and see what how it turned out, you know. And I'm trying and I fail. So what I end up doing is like going on streaming platforms and I'll watch people do playthroughs. So I'm like literally like looking for the characters I've voiced and like the other the other actors I know. I'm like, somebody post a full game playthrough. Like I will watch the whole thing, you know? So yeah, <laughs> I know actually a lot of voice actors who do that, who like aren't gamers. And we're just like, we just want to see how it turned out. <laughs> um, but uh, honestly, like it, Convergence is is really cool. It looks, it lo if you're a gamer, it looks like it's really fun to play. I feel like it's hard because I'm not, but um, but I voice like at this point, I voice dozens of video games. So, um, so, but this one, I mean, joint like League of Legends is so iconic that I it was really excited to join that family. Um, and, but you know, everything I, I, on my socials, particularly Instagram, I plug everything, TikTok, I kind of, it's more comedy, but I do still do, I throw in the plugs there as well. So, you know, I always sort of keep it up to date with what I'm working on and, you know, try and keep it fun and, and campy and, uh, you know, occasionally political because, you know, we have to save the planet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I try to keep it fun. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, look, I now, now I have to look up your TikTok. I didn't know you had a TikTok. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Is, my TikTok is Haviland Haviland. It's just my name twice. Haviland. Um, okay. But yeah, you'll 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 see. You'll understand once you see it. It's very silly and funny and um it's a lot a lot of like voiceover driven stuff that people say, you know, can you do these lines but like live action. So, um oh, so it's a lot of that, but yeah, it's it's fun. I'm sure yeah. I'm going to lose 15 minutes in a flash the second I go oh, on that page. Watching, watching my 15 second videos and just scrolling through all of them. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I've i gone way over time for this episode. Sorry. So I, I got it. No, 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 no. I, like, I'm going to have wanna... to edit it down. It's going to be these awkward edits. Like then Havlin rambled for 20 minutes. So we're just going to slice that up. It, I will say I've never had to do that. Until my friend uh, Ruby Modine came onto the show and we had to cut like three different areas and shorten about five minutes on each side. And we just played the like the old TV, um, like lost signal with some jazz music behind it. So it worked. Yeah. But this one, no, this is just the right amount of time. We're good. Okay, good. Okay, um, good. I just have one more thing to do before we uh, we say goodbye. Um, and that is to conduct an awkward goodbye. Now, for this show, it is just a very awkward goodbye both visually and verbally uh similar to i'm not sure if you've ever seen wayne's world uh mm -hmm. but when dana carvey minute, but yeah 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 well uh wayne leaves the big corporate studio and garth is sort of left on the set by himself and it's just kind of muttering to himself. it's very awkward to watch and it goes on way too long it's perfect okay. uh so that is the origin of this so i'll just give you a silent three two one countdown and when i point if you just give us your best verbal and visual awkward goodbye and i'll stop okay. the recording from there okay that sound good okay once again thank you so much for coming on to the show this is so much fun i will be following you uh for sure uh yeah, let's yeah. keep in touch yeah absolutely okay yeah. here we go in um are you still there are you hello bye bye um did it go off already?